Hello, this is Ben Eshmade and welcome to this King's Place podcast. From Friday the 13th to Sunday the 15th of April, the venue sees the return of the Bark Weekend. Over nine events this year, the theme is Time Changes and we'll look at the way Bark's style and instrumentations change throughout his life. The Feinstein Ensemble will perform a brilliant interpretation of the Brandenburg Concertos, the Italian Concerto, some great cantatas and an exploration of three centuries of Bach. The theme journeys into new areas, including a 50-year celebration of the iconic Switched On Bark album, performed on Moog synthesizers, and incredibly, a concert exploring the link between the detective writing of Douglas Adams and the person he described as the genius of music, Bark. So first on this podcast, we'll hear from festival director Martin Feinstein, and then he'll be joined by actor Jeffrey McGiven, who will be narrating the Douglas Adams novel, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Jeffrey was the voice of Ford Prefect in Adams' incredible radio series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So first Bark, and then Douglas Adams. The Brandenburg Concertos, uh, these wonderful works, six concertos, each one written for a different set of instruments um, and uh, a different configuration. There is a, a common theme going through them where he tends to bend the bar lines, so one is never quite sure what the meter is, what the bar, what the pulse is. In concertos, for example, like Brandenburg Five, uh, the slow movement starts off with a beginning bar, and then one's not quite sure if what comes in then is an upbeat. Is it an upbeat, or is it the first beat of the bar? Um, he does the same thing in Brandenburg Four. Brandenburg Six has a, a very disorienting canon among the violas, and this this leads to a wonderful, complex, enjoyable ambiguity. It's, it's obscure. It obscures things initially and then things become clear. This, this obscurity is something I've always loved. Mm. I love obscurities in, in novels like Le Carre where you have to try and work out what the puzzle is and you finally get to the end of it. I love obscurity in music because as long as there's an answer mm. at the end of it. Now these time changes, these meter changes, set me off thinking that time would be a great theme for the weekend. And of course, having time as the theme, man, we could do some very unusual events, the kind of events we've never had here before. Mm. So for example, we have an event based around Moog synthesizers and the 50-year celebration of Switched On Bach, this wonderful recording that was made 50 years ago and by Wendy Carlos, uh, which used synthesizers, but deliciously analog synthesizers, to uh, play Bach. People often say about Bach that there's nothing you can do to it to destroy it, uh, but these actually add something to it. So that's another way we could use the theme of time. Also, we have an event called Time Traveller, which you'll be hearing something more about later, where we've used one of Douglas Adams's best novels, Dirk Gently's uh, Holistic Detective Agency. And the theme of that novel is Bach's music and how it came about. Um, and it comes about through time travel. So we, can ha- we have an event, and we're, I'm delighted that a hero of mine, uh, Jeffrey McGiven, has agreed to take part in it, and he'll be the uh, narrator of that, and we'll be playing Bach in the background of that. Apart from that, we also have an exploration of two centuries of Bach. Bach the Bach dynasty actually wasn't only Bach. He had uh, relatives, his children, of course, were extremely talented. But also going back, um, uh, he has uh, uncles and grandparents who were also great composers, and we'll be including all of those uh, in a concert called Two Centuries of Bach. you didn't wake up one day and suddenly understood Bach 100%. I can remember exactly how it happened. I mean, very, very, it's almost like 
happened yesterday. I mean, I was a jazz lover, a jazz pianist. I don't know how good I was. Um, I was a, a lover of pop music and of jazz and a Beatles fanatic. I remember uh, particularly uh, my father once saying to me, Bach was a great composer, and I, this was aged 14 and a half, nearly 15, and I said, yesterday, I said, the song by the Beatles, that, that song, that is a masterpiece. It's greater than any piece of Bach. Um, and it was, it was a cantata, not, not one of the very greatest cantatas, and I was listening to the opening symphonia of it, the opening, the opening aria of it. I suddenly felt myself wanting to cry, and I couldn't understand why. It just was such a wonderful piece of music. We've talked about concerts on the Friday and the Saturday, but there are three more and some rather wonderful ones on the Sunday, so uh, tell us more. Right, okay, well, I'm going to talk about the closing concert straight away because this is uh, something, all this music's close to my heart, but Bach's cantatas really are an extraordinary body of work, and we're going to play three of the greatest of them. I am a, a flute player and a recorder player, and I would be lying if I said that I didn't tend to choose works where I get great music to play myself. All these three cantatas have wonderful parts for flute and for recorder. The concert finishes with Cantata 106, Gottest Zeit ist die allerbeste Zeit. God's time is the best time of all. He's talking about the time of death. Um, all three cantatas happen to be death cantatas, which sounds a bit depressing, but no. They are the most uplifting works you can possibly imagine. Wonderful, wonderful uplifting pieces. Wonderful parts for flute and for oboe. The Feinstein Ensemble, which is my band, uh, will be joined by London Bach singers, who are a group of consort singers, absolutely wonderful singers, who've been singing alongside us for many years now. Mm. That's the, as it were, the big finish of, of, of the Sunday. Sunday starts with three epochs of Bach, and we'll be playing chamber music by Bach, written throughout his life. Now, most people assume that his chamber music was written during his time in Curtin, and of course he did write a lot of stuff at that time, uh, but he also wrote much earlier chamber music and later stuff, and we're going to be playing all of them right the way through his life, so 30 years worth wow. of, of, of music. And it includes a cello suite, played by our cellist Christopher Suckling, and a flute sonata, one of the most extraordinary of the flute sonatas, flute sonata in E minor, a wonderful opening dark, slow movement that could only have been written for flute and that really touches my heart. Some trio sonatas on top of that. Uh, so that's the three epochs of Bach. And then in between those two concerts, in between the chamber concert and the cantata concert, Stephen Devine will be playing the Italian concerto, which is the name of the concert. And of course, it will include the famous Italian concerto by Bach, uh, but also works which are arrangements by Bach of Antonio Vivaldi's concertos. And they're extraordinary pieces in their own right. And they're very interesting because they show how learnt from Vivaldi's style. He, he really used these exercises to, to master the concerto style, which is something that Vivaldi kind of invented and incorporated it into his own music, uh, finishing with this wonderful Italian concerto, Bach's own version of Vivaldi's concerto. We were joined by actor Geoffrey McGiven. In regards to this concert, before we move to Bach, let's start with Douglas Adams. How did you both encounter him for the first time? I encountered Douglas Adams at Cambridge University 
We were, I think, the same years. I went up in 72, and we came across each other. You couldn't miss him if you saw him in the street, even if when I didn't know him, because, of course, he was immensely tall and I was very short, which always had a factor in our relationship. As I'm very resentful of very tall people, it seems to me they could give me a couple of inches, you know, and I could have been James Bond. But uh, then he was writing. He was with a group, actually, who we used to see called Adam Smith Adams which they did their own thing. I was lucky enough to do this monologue by Douglas Adams, which was a peach, which was all about a kindergarten teacher terrified of the little kids, of what they were going to do. And he'd written it to get into Footlights. But I, without you know hiding my light under a bushel, was frankly the more adaptable actor. And he was the genius writer, so I got to do it to his, I think, eternal resentment that he never made it into the review <laughs> cast. But, of course, the writing was his forte. As you've probably just heard, um, Jeffrey is a force of nature. You can tell he's a force of nature from uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series. It's different to all the other versions of it. It, it, it's, it was something extraordinary and something unique. And those of us that started listening to it early on were aware and very proud that we noticed that something quite extraordinary was happening. And Ford Prefect, the, the character that, that Jeffrey played, was uh, sort of anarchic. All of us thought this was the best character. I mean, Arthur Dent, obviously, the central character, but, but Ford Prefect is the one you want to be. You know? mm. Kind of has a, a solution to every problem and, and you know, will press a button and save everybody. So I, I heard this writing. Um, I read the books, and they were very well written, actually, uh, as books. But the radio series was something organically extraordinary happening mm. before our ears, as it were. Let's move to Ford Prefect. I'm gathering from even meeting you now and seeing your Twitter feed <laughs> and other characters you played, it, w- it was tailored to you a little bit, this role. Well, it's, yes, it's an interesting point. My father, my late father, read the first book. This was, of course, way after the, the, the radio show, which he'd listened to, and he really enjoyed. And he said to me one day, you know, Douglas was a genius, wasn't he? Is a genius. And I said, oh, yeah, no doubt. And he said, and that's you, the description at the beginning of the first book the description of Ford Prefect, he said, that's you at 21. And Douglas did once say to his sister, who I uh, knew later, he did once say, you know, Jeffrey can do half an hour on a new pair of shoes. You know, the experience of going to a nice cobbler and the kind of the make of it and, you know, how British is finally better than Italian. Let's move on to the music. Let's talk about the great man then, Bach. What do you think attracted Douglas to his music? Or maybe it's beyond that, his way of thinking, his, his brain, I suppose. I think Douglas Adams was someone who hero-worshipped. I think he was, he was capable of that and did that. I think he, he had decided, and I think he might be right, that uh, Bach was the greatest of all composers. In his writings, he, he, he tends to uh, use words like the greatest, no one's like him, uh, music of the universe and so on. It comes into the story of Dirt Gently. Uh, I'm not quite sure how much of the plot I should give away. Basically, Bach is a product of the music of the spheres. It was inevitable that he would write a novel that would feature the music of Bach, and this is the one. I mean, it's very hard. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing that he could take a great maelstrom of information and produce one, you know, the perfect gag out of that, you know, to explain Bach. The favourite thing in this, without giving too much away, is the line, I could only bring back a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's too much for one man to have produced in his lifetime. <laughs> and you think, and the envy in that remark. You, you mentioned, I remember, Jeff, over, I think it was a bottle of 
very good read the other night that um, he was either on or he wasn't. So when he got in a groove, ideas came thick and fast. And this was true when you were doing the radio series. So he would suddenly splurge out all these wonderful concepts, things that no one else could possibly think of. And when that splurge stopped, then suddenly there was nothing, so that the tap just stopped. Yes. And, and I think this is true of many creatives, that when the tap's dry, mm. it's not that it's off, it's dry. You've opened the tap, and all you get is that gurgling sound, and nothing comes out. Mm. What's it like, from, from your point of view, to sort of be able to speak the words that are within this book? I had a bit of a go this morning before I went out. At, the, at the, the definitive script that Martin's come up with. And I'm still working on the different voices. I've got the Don voice. I'm not so sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm having to wrestle a bit with Dirk. I like the idea that Dirk's quite intense mm. and harried. And is, is there not a family resemblance between Dirk and Ford? I don't know. He's, he doesn't seem as... He's never struck me as, as... I mean, the nice thing about Ford is he's a bit... As long as he's got a dino charge card... <laughs> With unlimited expenses. And there's a spa, massage, pleasure dome well, you somewhere have, you have near. To have a, you have to have a pangalactic gargle blaster on uh, your left elbow. Well, I mean. That's interesting you say that because it's, it's more Zaphod is, is obsessed with the pangalactic. Ford is a pleasure junkie. But, D- yes, Dirk, I, well, yeah, he doesn't strike me as as laid back as Ford. The wonderful thing about Ford is the pleasure of playing him. You know, no, look, wait, no, there's a... No, I was just fooling with you. It's just we are one of those... Play- yeah, we are going to die. It's fine. You know, <laughs> as if he can He doesn't care. It'll be worth seeing this concert, if only to see an actor who doesn't read music and is not at all trained in any instrument or any discipline in any way associated with music, to see an actor waiting for Martin Feinstein to nod at him most emphatically at the fourth bar after the Ritonella, which I read with horror this morning. I, I agree that some of the instructions are a little bit too specific, uh, but I, I, think you're, I think you do yourself an injustice. You are a genuine music lover and quite knowledgeable about music, as I found out. But only in an amateur way, and it'll be a pleasure to watch me waiting eagerly, like a puppy waiting for a stick to be thrown, for the nod and which I can then go into the next voice. I'm, I'm quite enjoying the voice. I was thinking of doing a thumbs up. Would that, would that be good? Absolutely perfect. You have to be careful if Martin hands you a loop before the performance. <laughs> yes, yes. Or, or hopefully a tuba. <laughs> right. Is that something you've always wanted to do? No. <laughs> so if you, if you had a classical instrument, which would it be? Sousaphone, the biggest you've got. <laughs> the one you can dress up. The one, you, the one you actually step into. To summarise, to finish with, this is a great story. A fascinating story, and it's going to be accompanied by some incredible music. Brilliant summary, yes. And a, and a combination of two things. I think Douglas Adams would love it because he loves the music so much. And I think, uh, as my dad called him a genius, one genius doffing his hat to a, a, a supreme genius. Thanks to Martin and Jeffrey for joining us. Douglas Adams, Bark the Time Traveller, is on Friday the 13th of April in Hall 1 at 10pm. The festival itself runs from Friday the 13th to Sunday the 15th of April, including all the music Martin mentioned and the special Moog Switched on Bark concert. Visit kingsplace.co.uk forward slash bark for more details. You've been listening to a King's Place podcast. You can find and follow us on Twitter at King's Place, Instagram at King's Place London and Facebook forward slash King's Place. Thanks for listening.